Greetings and salutations. You are listening to the Into the North podcast, where we take a look at the competitive side of the Commander format, also known as CDH. I'm one of your hosts, Lyndon, a.k.a. Noobzors, and today I'm joined by my, my co-hosts, Matt, a.k.a. Null. Hey, everyone. Reed, a.k.a. Sick Robot. How you doing? And Morgan, a.k.a. Spleenface. What's up? In this episode, we'll be covering a Tier 1 Con tournament recap. Um, we did a lot of... Uh, there was a lot of a lot of fun going on at Tier One Con in uh, Copenhagen, and you know that was just a super fun weekend. And we we figured we'd uh, <laughs> we'd go into it. We 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 we'd we'd cover uh, what happened, and you know, definitely has nothing to do with the fact that you know maybe people want to hear from uh, the winner of Tier One Con. You know, definitely. Uh, no, not at all. No, none of that. None Could of never that. do that. <laughs> this is kind of um, a long subtitle, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, uh, you know, since the last episode, what have you guys been doing? You know, winning tournaments, uh, <laughs> going going to Copenhagen. We've all been doing the same thing, man. We've all been a, pri- a primarily potato based diet. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> um, yeah, cool. So without further ado, let's jump into housekeeping. And oh boy, what a housekeeping section we have! We have six new patrons. Wow, awesome. which definitely has Thank you guys. nothing to do with the fact that we haven't recorded for a month and have just been like three, it would have been look, three and three. Look. But it does sound and feel good to name them all out at once. Though. Okay, so big big shouts to Thaddeus G, Noah L, the Manaweb, Deco A, Chili P, and Taya A. You rock. Yeah, I was gonna say. I was gonna <laughs> we gotta make sure that job, that's man. not yeah. trademarked or something. Yeah, we really should check that out eventually. Actually, get all of our. Yeah, I like to striked. live dangerously. Let's not check that out. Yet. <laughs> <laughs> we'll know. We'll know it's trademarked when we get a season. To Imagine season. The, exactly. yeah, the command zone just takes down our YouTube channel. Oh my god. We yeah, just yeah. we just get like a hundred <laughs> strikes at once. We're just like all of our all of our videos get striked all at once. Yeah. Um. So that's housekeeping and new developments. Uh, there was, I mean, there was tier one con, which this entire episode is about. So we're not going to cover that. But new developments, we have the playing with power tournament, um, which happened this past Saturday, weekend as of time of recording. I think. Kind of crazy. Um, I mean, I guess I guess the course. playing with power guys got back earlier than we did. I was going to say because. <laughs> We got we, we got back and then because um, we, we we spend spent some extra time uh, while we were we went to Copenhagen and then afterwards we, we kind of went around Germany uh, for a bit uh, you know we were in Europe might as well uh, do a bit of extra sightseeing while we're there so then when we get back and I hear about oh yeah by the way playing with power tournament just then I was like wait what <laughs> yeah, yeah people kinda... who played in tier one played in the playing with power tournament in, in fact yeah. the person who won. The playing with power tournament played in tier one con. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy, yeah. right? Yeah, so big shout out to Mr. Bruce. Uh yeah. we, we I guess we got in a, quite a few games with Mr. Bruce uh, at Tier One Con. Very cool guy. Uh he was playing Winota. Uh took down uh playing with power tournament with Winota, which you know what? I was I was a bit of like a doubter of Winota before I, I played against it at Tier One Con. But that deck is sweet. Yeah, yeah, I'd, it's very, I'd, very sweet. Yeah, like I, I feel like it's honestly like if if you're playing Winota into a pod that isn't presenting like super early threats, um, 
that you can't really deal with. Like the deck just spirals out of control so quickly, and and like it's it's so hard to stop with anything less than like a toxic deluge or an overloaded psychrift. And no one be playing deluge anymore. No one's playing. <laughs> Surprisingly, I mean, like you could play deluge though. You could. You could. <laughs> Definitely could. Is anybody going to? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> hey, I might. Oh my god. And Morgan uh, is single-handedly going to stop the Winota Menace. Cool. <laughs> cool, Morgan. Dude, don't, don't the, say Winota Menace, to... man. Winota. <laughs> <laughs> It um, sucks that yeah. uh, it sucks that Angel of Jubilation isn't a human, so you can't like hit uh, hit it off of Winota triggers and then just insulate yourself against Toxic Deluge. <laughs> Can you imagine? Oh, yeah, That's why I'm gonna awesome. play. Damn. Ah. <laughs> oh my god, dude! I I saw Damn over the weekend. Did it like it? It was like just not good because <laughs> the person was just like in a dominating position and had the counter magic already. But it was like very close to just like completely wiping a board of a bunch of very relevant creatures. That's that it. is what rats tend to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Grudy cast. Yeah, so also shout outs to the, the rest of the top four. Uh Veyron on John Doomsday. VT on Najila and Raimondo on Najila as well. You know, I so, think all the Najila players skipped out on Tier 1 con and just went to this playing just, power yeah. tournament yeah, instead. Yeah, I think I saw like power. one Najila player, maybe. Kind of crazy, yeah. yeah. I don't so think I did want to say... Najila players, other than the Sisse player who had a Najila in his deck. But... Yes. It may have been, it may um, have been there a actually, there were, game. There were multiple Sisse players at Tier 1 con, right? Yeah. I'm not getting that wrong. Yeah. Wow. Um, that being said, I did want to say, though, uh, Veyron playing Jun's Doomsday, um, so he was playing Casket Tana uh, Doomsday, which, actually, funnily enough, um, I had talked with him a bit, because he initially got into that deck, because I had had, like, a rough sketch that I'd played a couple of games with. Um, I think Morgan was sort of a part of my brainstorming of it, of, like, trying to make Casket work with Doomsday, and then, like, using, like, Tana to generate, like, tokens and stuff. And I'd sort of put it down, because, like, I I didn't really think much of it. Um, I thought it was, like, neat, but not that great. And then Veyron picked it up, and apparently took it to a top-four finish here. So, good job, man. I mean, Casket cool. just one of those things that you can resolve, and no one's going to counter it. And it's clearly very well synergized <laughs> with Doomsday. Yeah, so. yeah exactly. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, I mean, there's also, like, some other interesting stuff that you can do with, like, Tana. And, like, there, yeah, like there, there's some neat stuff in the deck, so... Cool, cool. Well, uh, on to the main topic, which is kind of a tier one recap and, uh, you know, breakdown post-mortem. So, first things first, the event in general. Um, I think we, we kind of just wanted to get this out of the way and say, you know, it was just super cool to get to see a bunch of uh, uh, people who we, we only know through, like, online. Um, meet a bunch of new people as well. Uh, get to see a bunch of interesting decks. Uh, and just have good times all around. You know, it was that was just super fun. Probably, probably my favorite aspect of the tournament. I mean, you know, obviously going to Copenhagen playing the tournament, awesome. The event was super well run. Big ups to the guys at Tier One, um, and and the tournament organizers. But you know, I think the, the kind of a, on a similar note to all previous um, like GPS and, and CDH meetups I've gone to, it's all about meeting the people and just having a good time with. Uh, with friends. Yeah. Putting the Discord nicknames to the names to the people. 
Yeah, which like, is funny. It's funny coming from Matt because Matt, I'm not sure that you knew the Discord names before seeing no. the faces in the first place. <laughs> no, I think I have a very unique perspective. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I was actually, I was also saying to um, Matt and Morgan before the show as well. Um, it, it's actually really awesome to get to play with like a bunch of these people on their um, personal decks and stuff. Uh, Specifically from, like, a, like it's a huge diversity of uh, different people playing different lists. Because if you're playing online, like, there's... Anybody can play online, but there's, like, a lot of, like, sort of... Sort of segmented playgroups online between, like, the different servers and, like, private playgroups and stuff like that. Time zones, man. Um, time zones. And yeah. time zones, too. So it's really, like... And you don't really get to play with, like, absolutely everybody, even though it's the internet. Um, and... With, like, online tournaments, you don't really get that, like, time to get in just, like, fun casual games with people, just, like, um, like pickup games. Um, so being able to get in those pickup games with people with, like, their pet decks or, like, alt decks or whatever was really cool. Because it's, like, you just get to see a bunch of builds that you haven't necessarily seen online before or gotten to play against even. And, and yeah, you know, along playing with uh, people online, we, we got to play with a bunch of Europeans whose time zones, yeah, just don't line up well with North America's often, so uh, that was super cool. Also, uh, really, really fun to get, get in some, you know, face-to-face -face magic again. Um, it's been far too long, uh, and, you know, you know, pe people, there. I, I remember there's uh, some people maybe had some concerns, like, you know, with, with all the coronavirus and, and, you know, pandemic and all that stuff, but, um, you know, the the events and uh, kind of the regulations and everything going around that everyone getting like double vaxxed and uh, all this stuff it was you know it was solid yeah it, it, it was it was it handled safe. very well yeah. yeah um there was I mean to even anybody getting into the country from outside EU or Schengen countries had to be double vaccinated and have a negative COVID test and then like to get into the convention itself every day. Like, every time you wanted to leave and come back in, you had to present paperwork, which I'm pretty sure was also um, vaccination plus negative test, so... I think that was vaccination or negative test, but... Oh, okay. That's... Yeah. yeah. It, and, like, it, it, was, it was very tight controls um, the entire time, so... And I, yeah. I think for the first day, there was also a limit on the number of people in the hall, though yeah. Denmark actually relaxed their restrictions, like, on the Saturday. Um, yeah. Which was kind of funny, but... Yeah, the tier one guys just have that kind of influence. Exactly. <laughs> yep. Huge amount of pull. Uh, yeah, so I mean, beyond just the tournament, um, anyone who tuned in for the stream, uh, you know, I, I guess you could also uh, presumably check out like the VOD if you guys want to, if any of you guys want to rewatch some of the stuff that was going on, get some coverage, which, by the way, was just super awesome. Um, just, just super well run event overall, especially like the live coverage. Just, it was, it was crazy. Uh, as the live finals were going on, uh, I was checking Twitch and I saw that Tier One was the second uh, channel on, like the, the at the top of uh, Twitch for Magic. That's just, that's just huge for CDH. Uh, that's unbelievable, unbelievable. It was just so cool. To see, but yeah. So, so before the tournament, um, there was a. Uh, a was it a game show and a panel um so you know morgan uh was on the panel for us with a bunch of other content creators and then for the game show uh reed was our representative and he had a uh 
pretty 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 dope experience <laughs> partnering with uh Jesper Icing as his teammate. So yeah, uh Reed, you wanna so talk about that? Yeah. I definitely wasn't also on the game show. You know? No, Morgan, <laughs> don't Morgan mind me. was on I, I was gonna well. say it, but then you oh, yeah, you right were. into the <laughs> Oh, no, oh you, yeah, was, you had to right. swap out last minute or something, right? Yeah, they literally yeah, yeah. one of the people who was supposed to be on the game show just like left and then they couldn't they were, they were actually, like, Where they, is he? They couldn't they couldn't find like two of the participants, so they had to sub in <laughs> Morgan. <laughs> I know. Poor them. Yeah. Uh but yeah, I mean I got to so I got to team up with Jesper Rising for uh the trivia game show, which was pretty great. Um and actually there were a couple of uh there were a couple of categories which were basically like uh Pictionary categories. So I mean definitely was a benefit <laughs> to have actual factual magic artist just for at one point on they were both those. contributing to the same whiteboard with that is what, true we, Reed, we was it a benefit what's what time. does the set symbol for commander <laughs> legends look like again can you remind me <laughs> hey man i never i never claimed that we were actually good at doing the other job but you know <laughs> the, the, it was it was funny me and matt were in the audience and they, uh, I think one of the first things that, that Jesper was drawing was Thassa's Oracle. Yeah, it was, and oh my god. He draws the Thassa's so Oracle, good. he signs yeah. it, and then, yeah. and then I'm like, I'm looking at, I'm like, man, I'm like, they can't erase this now, no. right? And then they started to erase it, and I was like, no! I almost what got are you up, doing? Yeah. I almost just, like, took the whiteboard and, just, and you know, yeah. abandoned society at that point onwards. I should have yeah, had a second but, but there there was another drawing that lasted for the entirety of the rest of the convention on that whiteboard, <laughs> which was a Your collaboration between myself and Jesper Ising drawing the art of soaring as a tiebreaker. <laughs> which yeah, was, wow. was, I was then signed by both of us and stood for the entirety of the rest of the event. <laughs> this was really just Reed's event, wasn't it? Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I was I was really happy in the game show, so I was uh teamed up with Ian from like Comedian. And uh I failed to draw a silence for him, which that that was a tough one. That was, that was but, the hardest one to draw, but, yeah. But then uh he for me, he got Timna. And he drew, like, a circle two lines across it. And I immediately just went, Timna! And people were like, what? I'm like, yeah. she's blindfolded, right? Yeah, <laughs> I definitely didn't get it that quick. Yeah. But it um, was, yeah, that game show was a ton of fun. And the, yeah. I guess before we move on, the, the panel was also pretty cool. So that was um, Ball from Split Second, me, Ryan from Playing With Power, uh, Lynch from I Hate Your Deck and uh, Ian again, and we got to you know answer some questions from the audience plus some questions they'd like, uh, they'd planned ahead of time and just talk about like you know where we think CEDH is and where it's going and the future of the format and that was uh, that was pretty cool as well. Cool. Uh, so getting into the actual tournament itself, uh, I think maybe a good place to start is about our deck choices. So, what decks did everyone take? Let's start well, with, uh, <laughs> with Matt. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Matt, why, why don't you tell us about we it? We can end on Matt. Well, I took, um, what was it, last year's, the, year's, the year before's, uh, Into the North recommended top deck, Razzacats. Um, nice. With some, some updates, but pre pretty close to kind of the stock list. 
some good stuff. I actually didn't look at the list, I don't think. How did you... Because I, I think, didn't we... Or not we, sort of, uh, but wasn't, like, Salvagers ripped out of that in favor of, like, Twister Hallbreacher no. stuff? And then I hadn't really looked oh, at it sure. after Hallbreacher's brand. That band, was, so, like, did you... That yeah, was Salvagers just goes back in. I um, was the Salvagers only one who solid. ever took out... To, who to just, like, for clarity, I was the only one who ever took out Salvagers. Everyone was yeah, still yeah, yeah. It, even while Hallbreacher was legal. Okay. Yeah, so put... I pretty much made space for uh, Ranger Captain, um, Esper Sentinel, um, Fiend Artisan, uh, Eldritch Evolution, because I was kind of trying to play more to the, like, Hate Bear style, I guess. Um, I mean, it's definitely, and... I feel like that in that deck, uh, what's it called, a Ranger Captain is certainly, like, a very solid include that you want to find space for. Yes, definitely. And I think, at least on paper, Fiend Artisan kind of providing the uncounterable Ranger Captain, so uncounterable Silence or uncounterable uh, Thassa's Oracle. Um, yeah, at least it sounds good. In the actual tournament, I didn't really get to experience that as much because I just didn't have Fiend Artisan hands. But, yeah. It's definitely, um, it's definitely interesting. I'm... Like, a lot of the choices you made were, like, were certainly felt like they were designed to counter turbo like you added in the uh, I know you were looking at like adding in uh, force of negation you know ranger captain has that that rattlesnake effect against like stuff yeah. like Nas um and then almost, Fiend I almost got to arc I almost got to arc on of Amiria but I decided against it um based on your advice because it just isn't a card you can <laughs> easily crack yeah. yeah um but like Fiend Fiend Artisan is like almost going in like the opposite direction right and I mean, I guess, like, I sort of see the logic where you, you like, try and play a deck that's very difficult to interact with, and then you add extra interaction as well to, like, stop the turbo players, but I, it feels like a little bit, it feels different than some of the other changes you made, like, going yeah. in the opposite direction. I think I so. can definitely help you uh, with understanding my point of view when we talk more about, um kind of the, our deck selection process, but sure. yeah. So yeah, before we get into the selection process, let's just wrap up what everyone else was taking. So uh, I took, uh, I guess here, actually, we'll, we'll go with, with Reed and Morgan because you guys were on same lists, basically. We and were, then, in fact, yeah. on the same list, basically. <laughs> <laughs> I took, uh, as you might know by now, uh, I took Cody. Um, it's sort of the deck that I've been testing not really secretly i guess but like it not certainly not like an open testing it's been like i've been doing the testing behind closed doors for like a few months at this point a couple months but it's not exactly a secret that i've been playing the deck um and yeah i mean i i came up with like a reasonable 99 that i figured was pretty strong and then of course as is tournament tradition made some last minute changes um to it uh, and then along with that, it seems like Morgan thought it was also a good idea to bring Cody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, I just kind of realized, I don't think we ever actually said that Reed won, so just in case you're, like, <laughs> yeah, just get we're, it like, dancing get around it. Get it out of the it. way. <laughs> um, you may already know from the episode title on your platform, but... <laughs> I do, in fact, control the episode titles. <laughs> um, yeah, so, so I... 
didn't want to take Cody, um, but basically, <laughs> okay, like, through, sure. through, like, Reed's testing, which I was often uh, on the other side of, uh, yeah, subjected to... Just, yeah. like, touch on touch on that for a second. Yeah, sorry, just to be clear, I a lot of the testing that I did was with, uh, with uh, Morgan and Lyndon and a bunch of the QMTG guys, so I do want to shout out specifically... Keegan and Zach for sticking around and for being good sports through. and playing. Yeah, <laughs> suffering, <laughs> suffering through Stop Cody it. games almost yeah. like semi daily for like two months straight. Yeah. 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 So, like in the testing, it, it wasn't actually winning like that high. Uh, it wasn't actually winning like that high an amount in in our group, but it was winning a decent amount in like an incredibly hostile meta with incredibly hostile play. And, like, I just yeah. kept seeing him make these, like, double protected turn threes or, like, single protected turn twos and just the, like, incredible consistency with which you were going off on turn two and three with protection. Uh, it was just, like, I, I it, it was, like, really hard for me to, to turn that down. Yeah. Um, and you can just surprise people, right? Uh, yeah, I, I or, mean that, that's certainly even, the uh, the other half, right? Or even without surprising people, like sometimes people just don't keep hands that can stop a single protected turn two win, right? Like, <laughs> Which just, I mean, we we might get into later on that, but yeah, like <laughs> we might, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, and then so my list, so I, I guess Reed kind of touched on um, his refinement of the list and play testing. So I know initially um, a lot of the work was done kind of like when Profane Tutor was first spoiled. Um, and there were some VCs on the Frog server where, you know, you were talking about stuff. And uh, that kind of spawned a fork in the build for that, that myself and uh, my brewing partner, Kibitzen from the Frog server uh, worked on. The Untappers so, build was definitely forked. Yep. Yeah, so we uh, we we have a, a untappers build of Cody that um, utilizes a bunch of crappy you know draft shaft commons that untap Cody um, for a single mana. So you activate Cody, cast an untapper, trigger Cody, untap Cody, activate Cody again, and then you can trigger him a second time. So the idea being that it's a you you run profane tutor and then you also run pact of negation, so that all of these are a guaranteed way to get protection. Um, so that's that's the build I ended up taking. We've been working on it kind of in parallel uh, for a while, and then we kind of put it to the side. Um, but it was mostly kind of just theory crafting and um, like uh, gold fishing and stuff. I never actually tested uh, any games because <laughs> you know uh, after seeing Reed play enough games with Cody and being subjected to that, I very much quickly realized that I hate this deck, uh, <laughs> Cody. Cody uh, fucking sucks. Yeah, actually, uh, it we... is miserable to play against, and it's miserable to play. <laughs> we should uh, we should get that out of the way for the record, uh, just like to get that down to the record because we're like, how many minutes? We all hate way? Cody. Yeah, yeah it, it's we're yeah. like twenty three minutes in. I don't think any of us actually like Cody. Um, aside from being the winningest deck that we could think of to bring to a tournament, um, the the deck's play patterns are incredibly toxic. Uh, it like the quote that I keep coming back to because it's like such a good representation of the deck plays is literally just Cody is the deck to pick if you want to play the least amount of CDH in a game of CDH. It like 
you're either you're like just turning your brain off and just slamming an early Cody and going for an early win it, attempt. It really is kind of its own mini game, and I think yeah, we can we'll have a discussion about that when we get to the story section a little bit. But yeah, it's like kind of its own version of Magic, which doesn't feel good for the rest of the players. Yeah, I mean, you just you're basically just an interaction check at the rest of the table, and then like you either you succeed on the check as the Cody player and just end the game in like less time than it took to resolve Mulligans. Or, like, you get stopped and then you just have to sit at the table doing nothing for, like, the next half hour to And, hour and so and much half. of it comes down to winning dice rolls, right? Like, Cody, Cody yeah. can present a protected win so consistently and early enough that really what you're looking for is if you, if you get the a turn... So, like, turn three is, like, you're going off turn three every time. Like, almost always with protection. Um, so if you win the dot, like, and, and then you get your occasional turn twos. Yeah. Um, but if you win the, the die roll or like you're going first or second, you're going before you're getting your turn three before uh, half of the pod. And it's and, and, and you've got protection already. So you're just curbing their development turns. And, and that's kind of what you're trying to do. You're just trying to uh, win the die roll and then just go off before people are normally presenting interaction or have been or they're, they're still in their development phase. Um, but yeah, and I just also wanted to say that my arrival at Cody. So I'd kind of been working on this Cody deck in the background. Never really with an intention to uh, play it or like main deck it, maybe just for tournaments, but it was mostly just kind of a, a theory craft uh, mini project that we were doing. But, you know, after, similar to Morgan, after playing against Reed a bunch of times, and I, I went through a bunch of different decks, so I wanted to take to tier one con, I really didn't want to take Cody. Um, and then in the end, I was like, uh, I guess, I guess it's just the best deck, and I'd feel bad not playing the best deck um, for the... Because at, at this... At, in, in my kind of perspective, it was... There's going to be one tournament where this is a surprise, right? Yeah, exactly, I think exactly, people were right? yeah. very low on Cody, uh, and, and kind of we've, we've been talking in private um, among some of the other people who, who knew about the deck as well, just saying, like, it's, it's crazy that people don't see this. Uh, they, they are way underestimating Cody. Like, we, we kind of knew it was the best deck, and... In, in amongst ourselves, we had discussed the ethics of whether or not we want to unleash Cody on the CDH kind of <laughs> meta more broadly. Yeah. Uh, and being like, listen, if Cody does well at Tier 1 Con, lots of people are going to play Cody and it's going to ruin their playgroups, um, at least for a time. So maybe this is something that like <laughs> we, we could just keep secret, but then, you know, in the end, we, we kind of decided uh, that. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, it's, I think it's kind of an inevitable build. Um, and I'm kind of happy you guys brought it to a tournament rather than it just kind of popping up in playgroups. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Because it is the most appropriate place for that deck, right? Yeah. Yeah, it, it's certainly, it's like the tournament, or like at least like my tournament deck right now. Like it's my, I think I described it during the tournament as like my business deck. Like this is the... Yeah. <laughs> it's the deck Honestly... that I play to do business and to not do anything else. Reed, I think you kind of forgot to shout out... Uh... Everyone who like dumped on the deck publicly six weeks ago, <laughs> honestly, <laughs> huge help. Yeah, honestly, dude. Um, actually, I'm not sure. Like, I I guess it sort of, I guess it helped by like sort of quashing the hype around it because I like I made that like one tweet. I I don't want to get into this like too much, but um, because I made that like one Twitter tweet. Twitter drama. Twitter drama. <laughs> well, no, 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 not not about the no, Twitter just... drama, but just like because we're sort of getting off track a bit here. But I I made like one tweet when I made like the initial Cody build, 
um or at least my initial Cody build and then played like a couple of games with it and like it was just it was already doing stupid things and I was just like yeah just confirming that like it's as dumb as you think it is with Profane Tutor and that sort of blew up but then uh, Ian made a video on it and uh I mean people were sort of taking it as hype and then I think like there are a lot of people sort of counter pushing against that to sort of quash the hype on it a bit um which yeah I guess sort of might have helped a bit cuz like certainly if the hype train had taken off on Cody in full, I think that we certainly would have had a harder time surprising the field with it. Yeah, the 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 real the real. If if you guys wanted to know Cody was the best deck before it was the best deck, you guys should have been following our friend Zach on Twitter, who months <laughs> ago tweeted, "Hot take: uh, Cody is the best deck in CDH." Yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> that was after he played against a bunch of games against Reed. Yeah, yeah. Now an ice cold take. Yeah. Um, cool. So, so how did yeah, everyone? I... <clears throat> oh, do you, do you have more? Stuff no, to no, say sorry. Me? Yeah, I was, so I was I was thinking for like the so we were gonna go through the deck selection process leading up to the tournament. So I, I sort of figured we should do it in like the most brief to the least brief selection process. So like me, Morgan, Lyndon, Matt. Um, uh, I think mine good. is very brief because I already talked. I about feel it. like yours <laughs> is the second least brief, right? Like <laughs> mine's. Yeah. I guess I don't know. I like I I just, I feel like the story yeah. of me like choosing to bring Cody was just I tested it a bunch, thought it was really good, and then brought the deck. Whereas like you actually had some flip flopping, Linden had a lot of flip flopping, and then I we have no idea what Matt's process was. All right, I guess. <laughs> sure. Okay. There we right? go. We basically summarized it. <laughs> yeah, used so, all that yeah, so, time describing so, like, what the process could have been. <laughs> I mean, so, yeah, so, like, my, like, the whole thing was that, like, I, I built Cody when it came out, I spent a lot of time testing with it, because I thought the deck was good, and I, like, I, this is, uh, shown from my involvement in Hulk when Flash was still legal, like, I, even if a deck isn't particularly enjoyable to play, I, if I think it's really good and other people aren't exploring it, I'm going to put it in the time to optimize it, because I think, like, good decks deserve to have their optimized forms out in the world as soon as possible just so it's, like, out and people know about it. Um, so I just spent a lot of time optimizing Cody, and then I thought it was a really good deck, and I brought it. <laughs> Maureen, you were next? Yeah. Uh, so I was thinking about probably bringing uh, some sort of Cats build or potentially, like, a Thrasvile, you know, Metaball-type deck. Um, and... Uh, I like I was also considering Cody if I wanted to just play like the the sort of turbo strategy, um, which I didn't really want to. Like that was certainly not something I was excited about. Um, and I'm definitely a player who like likes to feel like they have a chance to win every game. And I think that turbo decks often don't. Like if they get stopped earlier or some stacks comes down, it's very easy to just be like, all right, this this game is over. Um, you know, five turns before it's over, whereas I think that that's much less true with a deck like Cats. Um, but just watching Reed test and play Cody and just present these these crazy super early wins. And my experience in some tournaments, uh, particularly like the, the Mean 16, where like that was like a very heavily turbo tournament, um, made me think that like presenting particularly protected early wins was like one of the best things you could be doing into a sort of open tournament meta. Yeah. Um, so for me, 
my initial kind of idea was, I mean, I I generally do not like playing meta decks into tournaments just because I think it's more fun to be a hipster. Uh, so, I mean, I did the same thing with the last webcam tier one tournament. I took a Brawl deck that I've been testing. Uh, in this tournament, I definitely wasn't going to take Brawl because Brawl is not a good deck. Uh, I want to at least <laughs> yeah. take something that's, you know, maybe hipster, but on the fringes, but, you know, better than Brawl. <laughs> so uh, I was looking at a different, some different custom uh, brews that I'd been working on. Um, so like a Thrust Bruce list, uh, which I ended up scrapping. Um, then I was looking at uh, Riel, which, you know, I'm still testing with and it's been a lot of fun, but just not doesn't cut the mustard for uh, a big tournament, I don't think. Um, and then if it wasn't going to be that, if I was going to take a meta deck, uh, like this is initially thinking, I was like, I'm probably going to take cats because I was going to take a version um, probably much stacksier than uh, Morgan's, like more similar to like a, a Tim Matana uh, build that I had previously. Mm. Uh, so I was going to build something like that, but obviously with Thrasios, Tim, they're like good partners. Uh, so that, that, was, that was my initial thinking. And then after seeing Reed play uh, Cody and then having worked on my Cody list in the background, I was like, well, I can take Cody while still feeling a bit <laughs> hipster. So, I mean, taking Cody yeah. is kind of, it's weird. It's weird that taking Cody is simultaneously hipster and not hipster because obviously we were, we were like some of the only people who were on Cody. Um, but even then I'm like, dude, Cody's too mainstream, man. I gotta, yeah. I gotta, I gotta it, take my dumb build of Cody. So it's hipster. It yeah. just doesn't have the novelty of a hipster deck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so ended up deciding to take the Untappers build, and uh, yeah, that's that. So is this the second time Into the North has unleashed a new and entirely uncreative deck on the <laughs> tournament? Dude, yeah, I and guess one. so, man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, hate this. At least, you know what, at least <laughs> nobody really picked up Cheese Rush. I think, like, we, we yeah. had sort of, like, kept it as our tournament deck for a while after that. I'm not sure I ever actually saw anybody else playing Cheese Rush. Did well past the first NSL, right? I don't think I mean, so. I, I mean, I, I played it as a tournament deck. Or... I made it to the finals of uh, the Time Twisted 4, and I think oh, I you... made semis yeah. with that. And right, yeah, yeah. I played a game with it in Marchesa, and I won that game, <laughs> so that's cool. And then True. you continue to play Cats for the rest of the tournament. <laughs> um... I a break. Yeah, I like I we sort of just played it as our tournament deck. I feel like in a lot of ways, like I feel like our tournament decks for a long stretch there were like just cats and cheese rush. I um, mean, also Reed, you you top sixteen multiple of the tier one cards on the deck, right? Yeah, I think so. Like, I think I, I'd think, have to go back through the yeah, but yeah, I think that people like don't necessarily realize that the difference between top sixteen and top four is literally a game and like yeah. top one is two games i i think like uh, of course now i i say this after you know it's a tournament that i didn't win but i said this before the tournament <laughs> yeah, started yeah. i have witnesses and i and i fully Morgan, agree Morgan with just being I, a salt no, 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 no. I, I, <laughs> I i'm putting up i'm putting up an energy shield i fully support the statement that morgan's about to say no, i support it as well yeah. that, that people Hugely overvalue winning tournaments and hugely undervalue consistently doing well. Like, there's lots of people who enter a bunch of tournaments and, like, make semis all the time or, like, often show up in finals pods. And then, because they don't win, like, their name isn't the one that gets, you know, blasted out over Twitter 
and then you just kind of forget. But like, if you're consistently top 16ing a tournament, like like the online tier one cons, that meant that you were going like usually something like two one and one or better, like or or even two two consistently over several tournaments is like obviously a pretty impressive w win rate like if you're just consistently winning half your games in tournament um and so like i think that often gets swept under the rug whereas you know losing going oh three at three tournaments in a row and then going you know whatever it is three and one and then winning your semis and winning your finals yeah. pod um gets gets you a lot of recognition so like you know with a deck like cheese rush like it i mean we took it to we took it to time twisted four where it came one top 16 one top four finish and then we took it to several top 16 finishes at tier one con and like you know anything can happen in one game um yeah i don't think that necessarily defines like how good a deck is well, yeah, we we'd speculated that if Cody hadn't won, if Reed hadn't have won, whether or not people would have kind of still been low on Cody. And I mean, we can't, we can't. I mean, that a lot sure, of a lot of people are still low on Cody, which I mean, like, that's, I mean, I, yeah, I, I, dude. First of all, okay, first of all, I respect that. I respect if you, like, you you're low on Cody and then it wins a tournament and you're still low on it. I res I respect that a lot because you're you're like you're you're standing firm in your ideals and like i totally get not wanting to like not letting a single tournament result um change that i mean I that respect being said the idea yeah. of being low on a deck after it wins a tournament i don't necessarily yeah. respect that about cody specifically because yeah, like it, it did like exactly what cody performance yeah, yeah, advertised yeah. it to do yeah and um yeah anyway i i don't i don't want to distract anyway from this too much because we do still have matt and we i i feel like yeah. we all really want to hear about matt's selection process okay <laughs> i can i can do that then so it's mostly premised on the fact that i knew i did not have a lot of time to actually play magic which is obviously one of the most important things that you should probably do before preparing <laughs> for a tournament so generally speaking bad example but uh in light of that, I was think I thought that maybe a data-oriented approach would be the best approach here. So I looked at the, the decklist database, sifted it, came up with my like ten-ish decks or whatever that I thought would actually have a good shot at this tournament. Um, and then I um, classified them based on uh, what common stacks pieces they play well around and what common stacks pieces interact with them really hard. And then I came up with both early, mid, and late game scores, just kind of like based on gut feeling. Um, and I also came up with a couple premises. So I thought that because we'd be playing in person, the games would, generally speaking, be played quicker. And I think that was true in retrospect. So that was a good, a good idea there. Um, so I, I put a lot of value on decks that can do well in the mid game. Because I don't think I, I I don't think any deck can can play to the late game in a CDH tournament that has a round timer like that's just crazy. Mm. Like medium is not going to do well in a tournament when the round timers are seventy five minutes or whatever it was. So that brought me so based just on scores, I narrowed it down to Najila, Anala, Cheese Rush, uh, Cats, and 
Cody were like my top picks. Um, and then like for more information, I, I ranked Najila the lowest and I ranked Cheese Rush the highest. But what I kind of realized was Cats kind of just plays like enough, like a broad enough set of hate that in a pod, I think you have a high chance of sticking one or two hate pieces and actually generating like a crazy advantage. Also, you know, another factor in like <laughs> CDH is, uh, I mean, valuing off of cards like um, Fish, uh, Tithe, Remora, and this, the deck, this deck just runs the most of those types of cards, at least, or like the strongest one is, ones in my mind. So I chose Cats. And then starting from that, I was like, well, okay, if I'm, you know, confident in the hate bear package, I want to make sure that I can actually select the right hate bear in most of my games. So I went deeper on the, the creature tutors. So Eldritch Evolution and uh, Fiend Artisan kind of stood out to me. And uh, I've just, gener yeah, and then also I've just been generally impressed with Ranger Captain. So it kind of all made sense to me. Nice. That's actually that's um, that's super interesting because I was not privy to like any of that process yeah, before this. Either. Like yeah. this is the first time I'm hearing about that process, and that like simultaneously makes a lot of sense and is super interesting to me. Yeah, I'd say if anyone wants to or is is having well, wants to kind of emulate that model for um for their own deck selection process for tournaments, I, I think that's a a great great model to follow. Espe especially if like you don't have the time to test. Um, yeah, I'd I'd say like. Unfortunately enough, like testing, like just testing and jamming games with a bunch of different lists that you think are like potential candidates is probably like, like solely the best way to yeah, prep for a tournament. But I, I think that is a fantastic method to run through. Um, if you don't have a bunch of time to uh, like test a bunch of lists or like you don't have like the motivation to test a bunch of different lists, I would say, I would say it's probably something that you should actually do in tandem with testing because you know, testing. To, to get a lot, like, sufficient testing for a single deck uh, takes more games than most people have time for, and if you have to narrow it down between 10 decks, um, most likely you're, you're going to be spending most of your time testing uh, decks and, and making your decision without even getting in, like, sufficient practice sure. with the deck that you end up wanting to take. So that's a great way to just cut back on time required, and then you can actually just spend more time practicing with the deck that you uh, end up wanting to take. Oh, I guess I realized I did forget to talk about one of the, like, the lists that I actually put together and tested considering taking it for the tournament, which was, uh, like a Kenrith Stacks Hulk list. Oh, yeah, 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 right, I forgot about that um, one. Yeah. Which, which, like, I, I tried, honestly, given the meta that was there, it might have actually worked out better than it did in testing, because I think there was yeah, less actually... range than there was than I, when we were testing, um... But yeah, so so like the idea was, I just I was like, if I'm not gonna be playing turbo, I kind of want to be on like every anti-turbo stack piece I can be playing. You know, rule of laws in particular, um, more effects than just collector oof. Um, and so I was looking at like Kenrith stacks with a with a Hulk to like more consistently close out the game because uh, Kenrith beats under like you know often those decks will just try and like stack to the board completely or maybe establish uh like paradox or possibility storm locks um and then just try and 
like beat your opponents to death uh with Kenrith, which like is absolutely viable when you don't have a 75 minute timer because people play unbelievably slowly under stacks um it's like literally they can't cast spells and their turns still somehow take like multiple minutes and Uh, i mean so like like, and unfortunately or fortunately as well i i feel like a lot of like it's it's harder to call slow play or like to call a judge for slow play in cdh and i feel like judges also tend to be a bit more lenient on slow play calls in cdh compared to like 60 card 1v1 formats so it's just it's so hard to force people to take like reasonable turns yeah the board states definitely do get complex so like there's oftentimes where a lot of thinking is necessary um but yeah so i was like i want to be able to close the game out in a reasonable amount of time which put me on to hulk um which uh kenrith does reasonably efficiently and we worked out that we uh, we're talking about piles, and uh, I was it was actually the uh, Tavern Swindler Frenetic Ifrit pile, which is the most slot efficient pile you, that uh, we could you find can that find, like, works yeah. through. Like obviously, you know, breakfast plus Thoracle or like spell secret Thoracle stuff is is pretty efficient. It gives you a better backup, but uh, it plays really poorly with Rule of Laws. Um, and so, like, just having that two-card pile. Um, but I just found that, uh, like, even if I could often stacks out the early game, uh, the deck, like, had a really bad sort of mid-game transition. Um, and I felt that there was a decent chance that I would, like, stacks out... You know, like, I could stacks out, like, a Rog Silas player, for example, in the early game. But, like, if I tried to stacks out something like Tim Necrom a lot of the time they would just, like, play Timna, play Krom, you know, start drawing cards, start beating down, and, and yeah. like, develop the advantage before I could, you know, land Kenrith and start using his abilities to, like, generate the value uh, that would carry me into the long game. Yeah, because, like, you, you're spending your turn two casting Rule of Law, and then they just go, okay, I'll spend my turn two casting Timna, and now, like, suddenly, like, you're both under the same symmetrical effect, except they have a Timna in play ahead of you. And then, like, yeah, theoretically, then, they end up And then, with like, the I spend play. Tur- yeah. turn three casting some, like, mana thing. And then on turn four, I'm casting Kenrith. And, like, by that point, they have Timna and Grom. And then on turn five, I start activating Kenrith. And then it's like, I'm already so far behind that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This might be a bit of a hot take, but in five colors, like, I think there's enough hate bear. Like, there's enough breadth in, like, what hate bears can actually hate on that you don't even necessarily need, like, Rule of Laws to hate out Turbo Dex or whatever you want to... I, I definitely target. wanted Rule of Laws. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, like, Douthy into, like, Turbo Dex, or... Yeah, that's that's yeah, definitely... it's like... There's, there are definitely good options that are not Rule of Laws, but I think also Kenrith plays very nicely with Rule of Laws because you have, yeah. like, different types of utility from him, particularly... Uh, the reanimate ability is something that, like, drawing cards under rule of laws isn't bad, but it's it's hard to leverage drawing a bunch of extra cards when you can still only cast one spell per turn. Um, but, like, reanimating your pieces as people try and remove them, um, you know, messing with combat by, like, putting counters on stuff, uh, having a pseudo-stacks effect <clears throat> against Thoracle wins by forcing draws, um, like, all of that felt like it played nicely together 
and it sort of the the testing revealed that uh part of like not necessarily that like the theory was wrong but that something that wasn't accounted for in the theory was uh like a bigger factor than i initially yeah. thought so next up we he- we have on on our uh, show notes we have ref- the refinement process for our decks um I think we can try and keep this somewhat short because we kind of covered a lot about our decks already. Um, for me, it was my refinement process was, you know, once I'd, I mean, a lot of the refinement had been done already through uh, gold fishing of the deck um, and just kind of refining it with, with my uh, ring partner and with running it with a bunch of other people in the, in the frog server um, and kind of arriving at a, a list that we, uh, we liked. That's, that was, that's how it went for me. What about you guys? Yeah, my refinement process was showing work in the list and making sure that I, I wasn't insane. And you generally weren't. <laughs> I think there were like a couple the things that... <laughs> insane, I guess. But there were there were like a couple cuts that I was like, I'm not sure about that, but I think like looking at where you wound up, uh, because I did wind up playing the list, there was nothing that I was like, Wow, this is missing or like, wow, this is crazy that I drew. So yeah, almost cut Enlightened Tutor. <laughs> so that, close. Yeah, that would have been, that, that been sus. Uh, Morgan, do you want to go first? Because I, I just feel like I have a bit more to say on this one. I mean, sure. My refinement process was uh, forking Reed's list at a certain point and then talking with him about like three card swaps. Um, really wanting yep. to cut Misdirection and then ultimately listening to him and not cutting misdirection and uh putting in thoughts because i us, didn't like days true and then us also like mutually convincing each other to run stern dismissal yep. <laughs> before the tournament uh, um, I'll, I'll say i i also so i i had looked at stern dismissal in my list before yeah. um and it's kind of it's like stern dismissal wasn't like you know just seat of the pants like you know oh let's stern dismiss what a card let's throw this in like i mean it's something we, that, we, we had all been before yeah, yeah we had all been aware of it for a long time and just like hadn't but then, really <laughs> put it in a deck for testing <laughs> I, 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 I like i saw morgan and reed they're, they're, they're buying their stern dismissal i'm like yeah shit just fomo <laughs> yeah pretty much um yeah, I, I, so my refinement process was definitely a lot lengthier than my selection process, or at least more complicated than the selection process, I'd say, just because it's, like, it, it was, <laughs> it's sort of weird in that it was, like, I was building my tournament deck as I was testing it, um, if that makes any sense, because, like, the, like, the build of Cody didn't exist before uh, Profane Tutor was spoiled, and then I, like, basically started, like, building and playing with the deck as soon as Profane Tutor was spoiled. So I was sort of just, like, both refining the deck, like, not for tournament, like, I was just, like, refining the deck in general from a very rough state into, like, an actual playable deck, and then, like, I was also, like, refining it toward the end goal at some point of bringing it to the tournament, so it was was sort of just a lot of, like, trying to make it work in a general sense and get to, like, a 99, like, a generic 99 that i was happy with and also like okay what what do i actually think is good for bringing to the tournament at the same time and trying to make a lot of trade-offs there like ending up like thinking like oh i think i i'm gonna want more removal for the tournament um and like maybe do a higher balance of removal 
versus counter magic, then for the blank slate build, and then just like a couple of other things like that, and like other like incidental lines and small card packages and such. Cool. Um, and then our final thing on deck choices is would you take it again? Um, and I suspect Reed, Morgan, myself, our answers are all very similar, which is for me at least, yes. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd uh, probably take it again. There, there are some qualifiers on that in that, like, I think now people know how to play against the deck a bit better, and, like, now that, in general, I think the general population is more aware that you need to respect it a bit more in the early turns, um, it definitely makes its job a bit harder, but I, I, I think it's still like a very strong deck to bring to a tournament, especially. Sorry. I, I was, I was kind of thinking about, would you, if you were, if you had to, if you went back in time to run, Oh, to run, oh yeah. I'd, 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 I'd run it a hundred percent again. Yeah. I, I think, oh, yeah. I think, right. I think Cody for this tournament was a hundred percent the correct call. Uh, okay. Yeah. I would definitely, there's, cause there's two separate questions there. I guess. Yeah, yeah sure. If, okay. If we were doing this tournament over again, I would definitely take it again. Um, would I take it to the next big tournament? Uh, probably not honestly i think i'm kind of in the same boat yeah i think that uh not necessarily that the deck's like not good enough but i think uh for i mean first of all it's just soul draining to play yeah um, and like I not would, mentally draining just soul draining yeah no like it just <laughs> no, yeah, it I doesn't was, feel good to play i, I was um, like on mm. on the second day of the tournament i was sleep deprived i like did not get a good sleep the night before and i was actually just playing on autopilot for like the um like the last uh game of swiss and then like sort of starting to wake up for semifinals like it's not a particularly draining deck to play you just have to count no, no. mana and breach just, lines and stuff it's just like really not fun to play it's not an enjoyable gameplay experience yeah. for me i i'd, I'd say probably actually sorry just probably the most mentally draining part of it is deciding on mulligans in a tournament setting it's not the gameplay at all it's like deciding on like the tougher mulligans of like it's a tournament can i afford to ship this back do i have to run with this hand i mean that's super fair considering how fast the deck can play like you don't yeah. have very many draws <laughs> like, there's not many doesn't actually yet. change Mulligans that much everything yeah <laughs> yeah generally your opening hand uh represents something like 70 percent of the cards you're that you're uncertain about that you're gonna see that game yeah uh so um but the other the other thing is i think and, and i'll definitely get into this a little bit more when we talk about uh like our matches and our our turn our games um I think that people, uh, in general, but also specifically with people who have any sort of reputation, um, will, like, over-respect the deck to the point that, like, they will hate it out with play patterns that are not necessarily advantageous to them. Um, well, it's definitely kind of like... a a new deck to hate i think it actually is kind of unique in how you play against it and i definitely understand some people having trouble with that um, the, the thing with yeah i think i think cdh is that any you in, in kind of edh generally with as a four player free for all kind of format if if some if the table decides one player is going to lose that player is going to lose the game and, and, and like, the yeah. issue is and that cody, cody presents is, a very visible threat exactly yeah 
yeah, Cody's Cody's gonna be a a deck that people will decide it's not gonna win. Um like because it's its wins are so like quote unquote like I don't know. Spectacular doesn't feel like the right word, but it's like, like impressive. Yeah. It just like when it wins, it's like incredibly obvious what needed to happen for it not to win. And it yeah. doesn't seem like necessarily the biggest ask. Um and it, it also is a deck that just really looks like it has no game if you can stop its generic win attempt. So uh it's like one of the most tempting targets for people to just decide it's not gonna win. Yeah, so I I think if I was to run this tournament back, um I'd I'd take Cody again, take my same list. Um, you would take or the I guess I guess I would take the, the, the I'd take the Untappers build. Yep. Yeah. Um I was I was very pleased with how the Untappers build did. Uh I won all the games um that I should have won, even some or even a game that I, I shouldn't have won. Uh and then I lost games that, you know, looking back on them after you know, thinking about the things. Really, I don't think there was anything I should have done differently, could have done differently, or would have done differently. So, um, yeah, I was just very pleased with uh, its performance. Um, maybe I'd change a couple slots that I was kind of like iffier on, but that's maybe like, you know, three, three, four slots max. Uh, not enough to make like a super meaningful difference. So, yep. Yeah. And then uh, yes. I think Morgan's point uh, about Cody in the future, I yeah, I'd be more interested in taking um a deck that beats the uh the meta that that or the, the game that happens after cody's been stopped um while simultaneously contributing to stopping cody decks so i think i think the meta from now on is definitely going to be shaped by um uh, uh people anticipating cody being there and i do not want to be the cody player uh in that case nice cool. um so if I knew what the tournament meta was going to be, uh, I probably wouldn't have taken cats. Um, but I, I mean, I'm, I'm still kind of working through that idea a bit, trying to integrate that into my thought process. Because I do think cats, like, was a strong deck and certainly is a deck that could have won that tournament. But if I, if I knew what the metagame was and I could, re I could, you know, change my decision, I would take something like Cheese Rush or Cody. Um, I would, I mean, of, of those two, I'd probably pick Cheese Rush just because I'm, like, way more familiar with, with the deck, but obviously Cody just is probably the better deck. And then for the next tournament, um, I think it's in the same line. Like, it's going to be a turbo deck, um, and that's just kind of based on the kinds of games that I played. Um, and, and there's multiple factors there. It's, like, the, the you know the the fringe uh, CDH decks that um, make the late game hard, and you know the 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 pace of play, and and you know in a secondary sense the round timer. Like I would I'd feel a bit more comfortable with a turbo deck that has um, a solid kind of multi attempt like cheese like cheese rush where you have like ten combos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like you you just have so much gas in that deck. You're just like each one of your turns. You're untapping and trying to win for the for the whole game, and I think that's like where you want to be, or where I would have liked to have been. Cool. So uh, our next category is on narratives leading into the event. Um, 
These are just some sample ones, by the way. I just wrote these in for show notes, but I don't know. If you want to run with them, go for I it. Think, I think these are kind of interesting. <laughs> so, you know, Matt, Matt was talking about not being familiar with Cody, um, which I think is kind of funny because uh, one of the things uh, that was interesting about my experience taking Cody into the deck, uh, into the tournament, sorry, is that I had tested the deck zero times. Um, <laughs> I'd only done uh, theory crafting and gold fishing with the deck uh, and, you know, talking it over with, with other people as well. Um, and you know what? I don't really think I needed the testing. Uh, I, yeah, I felt dude. pretty confident with, uh, with how the deck played. Goldfishing the deck is honestly very similar to playing it in person. Um, to like it's just very straightforward. Yeah. yeah, like maybe some of the like backup backup lines are worth testing in a pod, but you also just have enough time to figure those out on the spot. So... Well, I mean, you definitely, I've definitely thought about like the backup lines and, you know, I've definitely, you come across some of that stuff in goldfishing where at least the way I goldfish is like, I'm like, okay, what if there's a, you know, this many counter spells or blah, blah, blah. And I, this gets stopped and like, how do I pivot here and blah, blah, blah. Like that, I, I do test that sort of thing, but um, yeah, I, I wouldn't say um, te- like actual gameplay testing would have, uh, would have helped much. I think in, in, at least with the untappers build, um, any kinds of refinements, which I guess the biggest kind of refinement would be how many untappers does the deck want, and I think that just testing for that is kind of unpractical. Um, you just want to get in goldfish data because it just can be done so much quicker. So yeah, I, I just goldfish the deck more if I if I want to refine it. I mean, certainly, further, but, I, I think yeah. we had this discussion before. I'm not actually, I do not remember how it ended, but um, I think the other thing that's actually reasonable to have testing for is also just like the balance of interaction that you want like how much removal do you want versus how much like uh counter magic do you do you want in a deck um because i i think that is a thing that you probably i like i would only feel comfortable with that balance once i once i tested with the deck a bunch but see i think that balance is something that you can kind of just determine from your like you could you could just think about it and be like uh, how much stacks am I expecting to see? How much you know interaction do I want to be able to play around? And you can kind of arrive at that without testing, because the the meta that you're testing with heavily impacts that decision, um, and the meta you're testing with tends to be pretty um, insular, depending on you know. Like I don't think you can get enough, like the tournament metas are are fairly broad. Um, like I ran up against a Derevi stack deck, uh, which is something that I probably would have never tested against ever. <laughs> or and, and Duretti as well, a Duretti stack yeah. deck. Yeah. So Derevi and Duretti. Like I would have never tested against those and, and those, you know, uh were some instances where I'd want more removal for uh, enchantments or artifacts or whatever. And it's like you, you just have to kind of arrive at that decision, I think, independently of just testing uh, a bunch of, you know, meta decks against each other. Yep. I mean I think the other well, like uh, the, the one thing that I wish they could have gotten a bit more uh like practice or refinement in was was like specifically how to mulligan in stacks matchups yeah um because i think that was like one of the more one of the things where i was like do i try and uh just go fast like look for like a turn one or a turn two i mean generally turn two the deck doesn't really turn one do i just try and look for the turn two do i just like look for a hand that has like one of the bounce spells or something um you know like 
like what's the bounce spells can work really well but they can also like sometimes people are sort of baited into not holding up interaction because they think cody's staxed out and then you can just like remove the stacks piece and win um especially also, with stuff that doesn't prevent the cody activation like if it's a yeah, rule of law like, ru like rule of laws you can yeah if it's rule of law you just like activate cody bounce the rule of law get your trigger win um but also like if someone does have the interaction then then like it's a real problem because you can't protect it um or like if it's a null rod that can also be tricky um versus, so like do you just go for the fast ones how does that yeah, change sure. based on seeding but like obviously that's a pretty narrow uh like a pretty narrow issue to have under consideration in your deck of like exactly how are you mulliganing versus specific matchups uh so our next little mini narrative was can matt uphold the honor of cats <laughs> so matt so uh, how'd, how'd it go i won a lot of games outside the tournament so <laughs> uh i'm gonna go with to be determined did you? I don't know. I, don't know. I like. I I made like up like one play. I didn't make any cats oriented play errors. I definitely played like the combo, and I definitely understood my lines particularly well. But I definitely didn't give it the win record that <laughs> it deserves. <laughs> I guess actually, that's one thing we should we should say is because we, we we mentioned that read one, but we should give all of our records. Uh, sure. So yeah, yeah. I went. Uh, I went two three. Uh, I went two draws. Um, three draws. Two draws. A loss, and then I um, I dropped to figure out our train our train tickets. <laughs> <laughs> and we thank you very much. Yeah, much appreciated. <laughs> we count that as a dub. We count yeah. that as a dub. Two, yeah, draws, okay. two draws. Two losses. Right? Because it was four yeah. Rounds, right. Four, the four rounds. Yeah. Uh, I went three one and one in. Uh, in pools and then uh lost my semi-final game and did two and one uh and then i went three oh and two in the swiss so three wins no losses two draws and then went in the semi-finals and went in the finals for i think a total of what five oh and two one one thing that needs to be said is that Reed's draws are arguably more impressive <laughs> they, than they 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 really are uh i think uh, I'm, I'm not sure who I know. Lyndon walked by my I turn one by, game. Um, I'm not sure I, I if anybody like else on the podcast and Reed did. Had only a man <laughs> Yeah, for my well, no, no, not even Cody for that one because uh, in the first in the first game that I played at the tournament, um, I just the for a majority of the game, my only uh, my only permanent in play was a man crypt. <laughs> Not non-land permanent, like permanent period. It was literally just a yeah, mana crypt. That <laughs> that's that's that was, and I walked by multiple times and I saw that and I was like, how? how what is going on? That's and then I found out he drew and I was like, wow. Another wow. thing to mention about Cody is that uh, someone I I couldn't find the Reddit post again, but someone did an analysis of like fifty decks off the database, um, or like fifty decks, most of them off the database, and uh, Cody was like the third or fourth most interactive deck. Like, it was, like, Baral, uh, Curious Control, and then, like, Cody. Um, yeah. And so, like, it's a deck that, when you, like, can't win, you are, regrettably, like, 
reasonably effective at forcing draws. Yeah, just like is like, like it's somehow even more miserable of a play. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. It's it's up like a third of your deck is counter magic or removal in like this turbo list. So like yeah. you fail to go for it, and then like every turn after you're just amassing all this interaction to stop the next guy, and then you just go to a draw because like you like you tried to win the game and then you failed, and now you're just gonna ruin it for everybody else and not let anybody win. <laughs> if I can't win, no one can. <laughs> which actually Draws are which, kind of favorable. <laughs> yeah, hilariously enough makes it a better tournament deck because you just go to yeah. time if you don't win. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, like, the... I mean, the game that I drew, uh, I went for a, a, uh, a turn three win, but there was a Kataki, a Silence, and a Force of Will, which was ju just enough to beat me. Um, and then literally, yeah, was like spending the game interacting, stopping, uh, so the Timnacrom player wheeled with a Douthy, taking the, the win cons from the Sissé player, and then it was just like, alright, let's just control, keep enough stuff off the board that he can't beat us to death in time, and then go to time. It is, it, it um, is so like, our, sorry, I, I, I do just want to say, it is insane to like... <laughs> to just like read back some of the Cody win attempts that were made over the course of the tournament and just like the fact that they let's, didn't let's, succeed. Anyway, yeah. Let, let's save some of these for match specific yeah, stories, yeah, yeah. which is let, let's so we, our last two uh narratives leading to the event were Reed's slump and Morgan's hot streak, which you guys can comment on. I don't think we need to spend too much time on these, but yeah. What about Reed, your slump? Yeah, I mean slump well, you in? I I mean so I mean so the whole I feel like there's a whole narrative, and it's like it's it's not a good or a bad thing. I don't like I don't necessarily care that much. Great friends with Morgan, don't really. Oh yes, <laughs> um, uh, I mean like I, I'm fully supportive of uh, Morgan in all of his results, and I'm sure it's the same way the other way. Oops. But the, uh, the sort of the narrative over the past I'd say couple of years, something like that is. Um, that I, I initially had, like, very good results, um, a few years ago in, like, top four in some tournaments, winning the Spike Feeders tournament, that kind of stuff, and then sort of lightly Morgan has taken over in the winning role for, uh, Into the North, obviously doing very well in the, uh, Tier 1 Con qualifiers, winning, um... I don't just winning a lot. <laughs> I don't like. Do you want to list off your? I mean, your wins over the past well two years. Tier one tournament too. <laughs> yeah, also did very well in the tournament. Still top sixteen. Streak, still, guys. still on a hot streak. I like. I don't. Yeah, I mean, so this this is why I object to you yeah. calling it a slump because your slump was just you making semis over and over. Yeah, but like, uh, but but hardly this, a slump. But it is. But it is a slump. It's like it's compared to the previous results and especially like like the rank season the winning and like it it's definitely going from like the primarily winning role into a like competitive role but one where i'm not winning anything into right? a washed up has been yeah, pretty um, i mean dude it it's what it feels like it, uh, when you're in the midst of it right it's just like why just why can't i win anything like i just i i just like can't quite get there every time that i try for it um i don't know like so it just it it feels it feels like the the end to that might have come and it just I don't know it feels good <laughs> it feels you, like I'm getting back the in the horse onto me when you let me <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, exactly 
Yeah, so I guess my, my hot streak was, uh, I mean, so collectively we won the uh, the Nexus Super League last yep. summer. NSL. And and then uh, in the two-color league on Nexus, uh, my team won, um, and I won all the games that we won, um, which in fairness was, I think, three. But uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, sometimes, sometimes three draws and one win gets you into top <laughs> four, and then, <laughs> um, uh, and then uh, at Time Twisted Four, I made the finals. I won the first tier one con qualifier, top four the next two on meme decks, and then one Marchesa. So that was my my uh, hot streak, and uh, I guess it's all come crashing down. They literally they put a price <laughs> on my head at the tournament. Um, uh, only one, dude, so having having the bounty sleeves definitely lowered your win percentage. There. Yeah. So so what they did was they gave they gave them to me, and I think they gave them to uh, Adam from playing with power. Yep. Uh, we had special sleeves that have, they say, is a bounty reward, a dragon slain, uh, and then, like, tier one con on them. Uh, they were custom-made sleeves, and so I sleeved my deck in them, and then anyone who beat me uh, got uh, got a pack of those sleeves. And then if they beat me in a feature match, they also got a pack of the new Dragon Shield dual sleeves that they were premiering at the event. Um, and uh, so only one person claimed that bounty. Uh, Colkio took them off me in round five. They made me go on camera and give them to him. It was a whole. Th- it was a whole thing. The shame they made him. I know, right? I mean, <laughs> I asked them. They're like, "Yeah, so you're gonna give them to him on camera?" I was like, "Did you make Adam do that?" They were like, "No, no." <laughs> All right, sure. Um, so so yeah, it was like a whole thing of uh, you know, can, can someone take me down? And yeah, turns out. Turns out I I do bleed, you know. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes, we sometimes. Don't get there. Cool. Uh, so then we can move on to some match-specific stories from the tournament. Uh, and you know, this is this is where I sorry I cut you off, reading when you want to get into some specifics. But uh, yeah, any any standout uh, match stories uh, from you guys? Well, um, I can start off. I only have a a, a quick one. So, one of my draws was so very close to being a win. And I'm not, like, a salty draw person. I'm, like, I'm usually pretty humble about my draws. But in this particular case, it was, like, we're in turns. Uh, I set up Notion Thief Wheel. And with enough mana to win, I'm pretty confident. And in my... Uh, so, one of the players was eliminated. So, in my uh, 21 cards, I happen to have the Razaketh in hand. and. Unfortunately, uh, that was my last turn, and I was not able to untap, uh, which would have provided me with enough mana to win. I saw him. The, the, the salty hand. part is that he was like ten seconds off from getting Being another the active yeah, player. It was yeah, so yeah. rough. I, I, I saw his hand. I saw like entomb animate dead. I was like, oh, easy. Razakat. Yeah. I was like, oh. And you were like, <laughs> you were one mana short of On, like, like using all, survival like, to bin it. Um, yeah. Yeah, I we like spent ten minutes after the game, like just blitzing through as many lines, and I was I was going deep. I'm like, if you cast life, then play the cradle. Can you? And like, it just wasn't there. Um, there was yeah, and like you, there were a bunch of circumstances earlier in the game that like if we're slightly different would have also resulted in a win. Like 
at one point my token was bounced um before on my upkeep and there was a, a smokestack so i had to sack a land and i was literally one mana short so if that token it's wasn't just, bounced it's I so the tragic land. Dude. you know like yeah That's it. Um, I'll go for, I guess, I'll, I'll do my match, instead of doing like every match specific story or like a match specific story, I'll just do a, a kind of a brief rundown of, of my experience of the tournament and it'll be pretty brief. So I, I think, you know, I mentioned before that I think Cody is a very dice rolly based deck where you're, if you're going first or second, it can influence things greatly. So uh, I did get somewhat unlucky this tournament, which is kind of why I thought I'd take the deck back again if I was to run it back. And, you know, I think, you know, hopefully if the die rolls go my way. Uh, you know, I do a bit better despite you know being pretty satisfied with my record. So, I went first uh, in in round one, which I won that. Then I went third, fourth, third, fourth. Um, <laughs> so not not the best uh, rolls. And then it uh, a lot of those those turn orders um, didn't matter too much except the last round where um, if I'd gone first or second, um, I would have gone for a turn two double protected win. Um, but the one of the Guys, who was going? The guy who went second, uh, mulled to four uh, for a um, stony silence, which was able to kind of lock things up, and then he ended up closing the game against two Kinnon players and a Cody with that stony silence. So, uh, pretty cool. Um, and then insane. I think the only other interesting stuff uh, from me was that uh, uh, I kind of got stacked out in, in my losses, but I did win a game through. Uh, Chalice of the Void on zero, uh, Thorn of Amethyst, Smokestacks, Tanglewire. Um, <laughs> just insane. And taking a bunch of beats from a Paco <laughs> and a uh, Sarah Ascendant. Uh, I won that game. Should not have won, but I won. Uh, and then I also almost won uh, through turn one, Root Maze, turn two, Thalia, turn three, Deafening Silence. Um, and the only reason I... Uh, I think the main reason I didn't win that is because I lost my turn one gamble. So I, I lost my crypt, and that that uh, having keeping the crypt and then getting a Cody in play would have saved me with enough life, because um, uh, I took just infinite tip, chip damage from uh, Timna and the Gila player. So I ended up having to Nas at sixteen life. But if I had won the crypt roll or the the gamble, um, would have had much more life from my Nas and could have potentially won that game, which is crazy considering the amount of stacks that were in play. So that's it for me. Yeah, I have a few uh, few funny stories. Uh, yeah, we can, had we a... can probably go back and forth for a yeah. couple of these. Then, so I guess uh, I guess I'll I'll start with round one where I wasn't playing. I was commentating because I had the buy from uh, from winning the first wow. qualifier. <laughs> um, but so I was, I was uh, commentating with uh, with Yanis, and like when you're commentating, sometimes you know you like it can be very difficult to tell like. Oh, was this spell cast, you know, in an end step, or are we in like an upkeep or what? You know, things like that. Um, and there was actually another Cody player at the tournament, and uh, he ca he activated his Cody. We assumed it was main phase, and then he cast a silence. He got silenced back, and we're like, well, that's unfortunate. He's going to exile his profane tutor, um, and then like you can't cast it, and then that that like breaks the whole Cody thing. Cause you can't get it back. Right. And activate Cody again and try yeah. again. Um, so we're like, well, that sucks. So he starts flipping. He flips into pact of negation. We're like, wait, what? 
He's like Untapper's then, build. We're like, is this an Untapper's build? But like, he flipped past a lot of the deck to get to the pack navigation, and we didn't see like a bunch of Untappers, right? Like we yeah. might have seen like Emerald Charm or, or yeah, the yeah, first yeah. Which, um, and then and then he untaps and like takes his turn, and we were like, what? What just happened here? Like, <laughs> like did he just roll the dice on flipping into pact as like a bait? or what <laughs> and and then i think it turned out after the fact that uh he forgot that cody would flip into pact and like yeah so that, that was kind of a funny uh a funny thing <laughs> uh and you know i was commentating i was like okay that's normally not what cody does <laughs> you gotta put the disclaimer on for the chat for the first time seeing cody in the tournament right Uh, yeah, so, I mean, I guess to finish the story about my round one, um, <laughs> was basically, I think, uh, what was it? I, I think I went, um, like, seven without, like, a good hand, seven without a good hand, uh, six with, like, I think it was, uh, like, l uh, depletion land, oh, no, what was it? It, it was something like two lands oh that's what it was it was two lands and a jeweled lotus uh were the things that i had for the hand and then like uh like a free cody triggers and like that but no other acceleration at my six and i was like well i mean if i draw a soul land this gets there on turn three but like it, this is gonna be like rough if i keep this and don't get there like i think i have to go lower so i went to five obviously looked at the top card and it was a mana crypt or it was a soul ring i think which still would have made it a turn two so i was like oh great uh well whatever we're going to five uh one to five and it was i think it was a spirit guide a mana crypt and that was my only mana sources in the hand um so i kept the hand on the assumption that like if i draw a land on turn one then it's still a turn two because you just go land crypt cody and then next turn pitch the spirit guide to activate and you're good if you draw land if you miss the like draw on the first turn but still get there on the second turn it's still a turn three which is fine so i was like yeah this is a fine five we'll just keep this one um so i was like okay well we'll keep this hope it goes well and then the marin player going first just went great land root maze turn one <laughs> and i was like well this uh yeah this sucks this sucks hard uh and then for the rest of the game we just sort of got controlled by a Kinnon player, and the Kinnon player couldn't close it out in time, and we went to a draw, <laughs> which was sort of incredible. Um, I think probably the highlight of that game was getting the Marin player in the last turn of the game to Caustic Caterpillar his own root maze so that I could crack a fetch to Flusterstorm a time, tw uh, like a last ditch ever time twister from the Kinnon player. Oh, can I jump in with a quick <laughs> yeah, story? Because yeah. that reminded yeah. me of something. There's a really funny interaction that came up in my final round five game where we were going to lose uh, to a Kinnon player. Uh, and we were, we were I, I had no interaction. The other, everyone else was tapped out. And then as the spell, the spell is on the stack or whatever, and I'm like, hold on a second. <laughs> does, and I'm like, can anybody use extra anyone... mana? <laughs> Can anyone use extra blue mana? Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, and I was able to. Uh, we were able to get the stop because I, I dreams gripped to untap uh, another <laughs> Kinnon player's island. Uh, so that because there was two Kinnon players in that pot, yeah, and the, the other Kinnon player was able to Damn. stop him. And it was just too funny, man. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, that is one of the funniest part about funniest parts about Emerald Charm in my list. But I can imagine just a bunch of the twiddles in your list is just like untapping other people's stuff as like <laughs> yeah, to, yeah. like the the Omni like Arpel or Politics. whatever. Yeah. 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 Um, um, yes. I actually have another story, uh, but it's kind of a cautionary tale. Yeah, um, go for it. <laughs> so, uh, I was I was up against uh, a Kodama deck, and uh, the Kodama deck was clearly in the lead just based off the start, and was setting up to win. Um, and we narrowly were able to to stop them, um, which is kind of where the story starts. So I um, I made the decision to keep the Kodama in play and try to interact with the other pieces because I had a Gilded Drake in my hand and I definitely wanted that freaking Kodama. <laughs> so I, uh, yeah, we were successfully able to interact and I got the Kodama. Um, so it felt awesome. And next turn I was going to just cast Timna and I had Ranger Captain in my hand. So I was just going to put the Ranger Captain into play and tutor up an Esper Sentinel. And it just felt like the game at that point would have been a win. Um, but... <sighs> You know, this is something that uh, that would have come up if I had done more playtesting. But uh, what ended up what ended up happening is I kind of realized that Konama has reach, and I can block my Gilded Drake, and it's probably better for me for it to be in the grave than uh, for it to be in play. And you know, wow, magically the Gilded Drake is attacking me. You know, what are the odds of that? Uh, so I block the, the Gilded Drake and it goes to the grave and then immediately the Kodama player casts a Necromancy from their hand. <laughs> and immediately my, my punishes own Gilded you. Drake <laughs> to, to, immediately punishes me to take back the Kodama and then um, they ultimately won on the, the turn after or whatever. That's funny. <sighs> yeah, so a similar don't block experience. Gilded Drake. Yeah. <laughs> Morgan with know. the Jinga taxes. <laughs> Morgan could definitely long relate. Time ago. <laughs> um yeah, so so I guess uh my my round two game was was kind of funny. Uh I went to five and two of my opponents had gemstone caverns, which is generally not what you want to see. Um but my five was uh two lands, a mox diamond, a fish, and a jeweled lotus. And then my draw for turn was uh City of Traders. So theoretically <laughs> That was a turn one fish and Cody into a turn two win. Just so uh, disgusting. The Marin player played a root maze, which meant I couldn't win turn two, but it also meant that my opponents just had no mana for my ultimate uh, turn three win, uh, which was pretty cool. <laughs> but yeah, cool. It was just such a disgusting hand. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Anyway, still have any final stories before we we move on? Uh, I, I I let me get through a couple real quick. Um, first of all, I speed run a man. Yeah, yeah. I did want to say <laughs> yeah. my my record, not just in like the actual record itself, but also in how the games ended, was like weirdly symmetrical in that it was like two draws from like early win attempts and to just like stall the game out, two backup breach turn like breach wins after like a, a an initial failed first nas two turn twos and then the final spot which was just like a manual bring to light turn which was like yeah, just 
super like super weird and that it was just like apparently it just like everything came in twos that tournament until the uh until the finals there um yeah so the i mean i th- i think the i don't i feel like the semifinals and finals pods of for uh me in that tournament might just like live in infamy forever for like what cody does to unsuspecting innocence <laughs> which is like the uh and if you guys want to see them they're they're those vods are definitely still yeah, up yeah. so you can you can go out. find those uh tier one i'm not sure if they're specifically singled out but you can definitely go find them um the semifinals pod uh so uh seating was seating i guess seat order but also yeah seat order was uh in the semifinals and finals pod was determined by uh the seed or your results coming out of Swiss. Um I was top seed coming out of Swiss, so I basically just got the privilege of going first in every game that I played after Swiss. Um which was turns out that's pretty good turn, turns <laughs> out it amplifies Cody's strikes by a bunch. <laughs> Who'd have guessed? <laughs> um so I ended up I, I think it was my second seven, but I ended up snapping off a hand with um I think it was a depletion land to a lotus land and then a spirit guide, which makes a turn two, not bad. Um, and then that hand also had a, I believe, a burnt offering and a red elemental blast in hand in hand as well. So I was like, what? okay, well, this is a turn two with protection if somebody tries to counterspell a thing. Um, and then I drew a deflecting swat off the top, and I was like, wow, I'm like actually just home free here. There's like nothing anybody can do to stop me. Great. Just, like, feeling on top of the world. Um, so I, like, played the turn one Cody, passed. Um, Gustav was on my left, um, who, pretty conservative player in that he'll almost always mulligan to interaction in those kind of situations. Goes land Ragavan pass, and then it goes to Mons, who's on Sisse, who goes land Dork pass, and then passes to the fourth player who's playing Thrastimna, and he also goes land Dork pass, and I'm just like, oh my god, I'm... Like, there, there's no possible way I lose this game. Um, and then I untap and go for it, and only Gustav had interaction. And Mind Break Trap is not good enough when Cody also has the extra mana for the Power Blast. Who'd have guessed? Just sort yeah, of disgusting. So... <laughs> yeah, so I think uh, before I finish off my story, an important context is that uh, this... This was the first semi-final pod. Yeah. <laughs> this was, yeah. No, I don't think any of these players had actually played against Cody yet this tournament as well. Um, yes. And certainly did not give it the respect that it deserved, unlike in the next <laughs> game that was played. Well, so before, before we do that, uh, I have to talk about my, uh, the sketchiest Nas ever. Oh, so yeah. I, I went for an early win. I got silenced in response. I had like, I think I had, like, SWAT and Pyroblast or something, and I got silenced. I was like, come on, really? Yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, so my profanity was exiled, but I did manage to just find the Nas. Um, and so I wound up, while an Urza player was trying to win by just hard-casting Tidespout Tyrant, I wound up bouncing the Tidespout Tyrant and then casting Nas while they had no mana. Um... But I was at, like, 26 life or something, and there was, uh, there was a, an elves player who had, like, a bunch of damage on board. So I wound up nosing down to 9, and, like, a 17 life on a Nas is not that many cards, right? (laughs) Um, and then, uh, so, like, I get my Nas off, and then 
the elf player animates a man land that I, like, didn't realize that he had and hit me down to two, and I had a crypt in play. Um, so I had to, uh, I had to, in my upkeep, consult for nature's claim. Um, and <laughs> just then, to live uh, through the crypt trigger? Ju just to live, <laughs> and then I won by, uh using claim the firstborn on the other Cody players, Cody to fix colors. Uh, and then I cast grasp to take his consult and demonic tutor to find my thoracle. Cause I'd run over everything else. Like breach was gone. LED was gone. Tainted pact and demonic consultation were gone. Um, so I took his consult, my thoracle and pieced together the, um, uh, on a, on a 17 life nods where I had to consult for, for crypt to not die um and i did or sorry console for claim to not die to crypt and i did actually lose the flip so it was necessary um just insane which bring which brings us to my semi-final pod where uh so it's i'm going first because i was third coming out of uh the swiss which puts me highest in my pod um then it was inala going second uh Clark sakashima going third with Kodama Silas going last. And basically, uh, there was like a, I don't know, a weird like treaty signed before the game where everyone was like, <laughs> we're just going to hard mulligan for interaction turn one. Uh, so I went for, I played a turn one Cody with a hand that had like an incredibly sketchy turn two. I could have, uh, I could have like cast Reign of Filth to get the mana to activate Cody and then one, but I was like, I don't want to do that. And then all three of my opponents played Blue Land Pass. It uh, was just rough. <laughs> and I was like, I have a single piece of protection for this win, which is definitely not going to be good enough here. So we wound up passing uh, a few turns. The Krark player played Krark on turn two. Um, the Anala player played like a Mana Rock. Um, and then turn three, the Krark player plays Tavern Scoundrel, the, the one that makes treasures when he which is flips, which is really a scary, scary part of yeah. that deck. Uh, and then just basically keeps attempting his submerge until uh, he puts Cody on top of my deck. Uh, so I draw Cody, I play Cody, um, and then the Anala player end step Wizard cycles his Aether Mage for Spellseeker and just goes for Spellseeker. Uh, which is a little strange, considering, like, everyone in the pod had basically said that they were mulliganing to interaction, and then he just tried to jam an unprotected Spellseeker win. Uh, but hey, you know. Uh, obviously, so that... <laughs> I My only interaction at that point was a Pyroblast, so I had to let the Spellseeker resolve. So then I could honestly say to the Kodama Silas player that I didn't have interaction for <laughs> Culling Me or Unearth yeah, or... Such a politicky thing to do. <laughs> I mean, hey, look. Yeah, no, hey, dude, you gotta um, do what you gotta do. <laughs> I, so, uh, that ate a swan song out of Kodama Silas, and then uh, Kark Sakashima cast a ritual, won the flip, which... Uh, it was Desperate Ritual, which makes a total, like, is a plus six, because you get two copies of the Ritual yeah. and the two treasures and it, from the and Scoundrel. And it fixes the mana as well that you feed into it. And it fixes it. the like, mana, just, yeah. yeah. So then he casts Sakashima, and I'm like, I'm gonna Pyroblast this, uh, because 
he's got a bunch of mana and having two crooks and a scoundrel just the the ways the number of wizards goes bad is actually endless he had pact of negation uh then he started playing overmaster and then played overmaster and then he kept playing overmaster and then he played overmaster uh and then his <laughs> was really high and he cast an uncounterable mind's desire and, <laughs> and then the died. game ended <laughs> and then the game ended yeah. and then unfortunately i learned that kodama silas had the force of will uh but didn't think the sakashima was a good enough like didn't think that he was that likely to win there and then also uh like didn't count the overmaster because it's just a one mana cantrip and then sort of realized oh wait I can't correct my mistake because now I've let Overmaster resolve yeah. and spells are uncounterable. Um, which is a little unfortunate. Um, it kind of felt like, like we were talking about earlier, you know, people can just sort of decide that you're not winning that game. And like, I literally, after they all agreed to mulligan to turn one interaction, I tried to talk to, in particular, the, in particular, the Inala player. I was like, look, you can't win in the long game against either Kodama Silas or Kark Sakashima. So, like, if you're just agreeing to sit there and do nothing until, like, turn four, th there's no way you're winning that game. Um, and, like, when everyone's mulliganing for cards like Dispel or Swan Song or things like that, the deck that's the most resilient to that sort of interaction uh, is just going to be the one that comes out on top, and that's exactly what happened, right? Uh, yeah. The Kark and Sakashima came down, and then trying to dispel, like, spells that are being copied two or three times... Is just not really a practical way to interact anymore. Um, but you know, it was it was definitely kind of a comedic moment to see three players all go land pass on turn one because <laughs> well, they was, were like was, so so terrified after what happened. It was it was like pod. it was the immediate contrast of like the in the first game. It's like the same like turn one Cody to everybody goes land dork pass and they all immediately die into the immediate contrast of uh, turn one Cody into land pass <laughs> holding up interaction. <laughs> yeah. Um. So so I think like it'll be interesting to see how people's play patterns around Cody evolve because I think like. You know, I think that we saw two ends of an extreme. Yeah, uh, certainly. Like both extreme ends of the spectrum. And I think, like, those were both wrong, right? Like, yeah, yeah, 100%. Uh, I, you know, the particularly, you know, the person going last could try and, like, greed out a bit. Seeing that the other two people had held up interaction, it turned out he had a carpet of flowers. Like, he could have played that turn one or a mana dork or something. Yeah. Or yeah, the person yeah. going first could greed out, try and develop, and then force the people after them to hold the interaction. Um, so it'll be interesting to see, like, sort of where people settle on that. You know, obviously it's very easy to get punished. Uh, if you're the first person and the people after you just don't have the interaction, then it's kind of too late. Uh, whereas if you're the last person, you can kind of gauge based on, you know, oh, they held up mana, presumably they have the interaction. Um, so yeah, it'll, like, you know, that, that experience in that game, it just felt like... I could not win, which is why, you know, I initially said, like, I wouldn't necessarily take Cody to the next tournament. Yeah, um, certainly. And I do think, unfortunately enough for anybody who is, like, wanting to play Cody out there, I don't, I don't know why you would, but <laughs> um, I, I think the unfortunate part of it is that the, like, the there's a very visible downside to not enough people holding up interaction, which is that you just immediately die to Cody, and you're, like, very much, like, immediately punished for your mistake. Whereas, 
if everybody holds up mana and then like you don't end up winning the grind game because you didn't develop as fast or like you're not as good as the in the main game as this other deck which is totally fine for everybody to just like do nothing for three turns while they make land drops and then eventually like slam some value engine or whatever it's like a very like delayed punishment and you're not necessarily going to associate that directly with like not having developed enough early I, I so I feel like a lot of people are just yeah. gonna end up like going with the much like quote unquote safer route of not dying to Cody but eventually dying to the mid range deck. And that okay, that kind of like reminds me a little bit of Flash, um, less about like um, hindering your early development, but more about like that having the doubt that you like not leaving up the interaction yeah. would be a problem, uh, which definitely. It's not a feeling I like to. Th- thank- this, thankfully, so. in comparison to Flash, Cody is definitely like a lot more. Like it shows you its hand. It's just like, well, here's a Cody yeah, in play. Yeah. Deal with it. And like you don't. There, there's no guessing game of like, are they gonna win next turn? Do I like? Do I have it's to hold up mana forever? It's literally just yeah. It's literally just yeah. like okay, they have a Cody in play. They're on tapping next turn. We now have to hold up mana. And like usually, if they're not casting the Cody turn one, you're like, okay, I have a turn one to develop. Like we're fine here. Yeah. Um. Cool. So we've got one little bullet point left we want to cover before the uh, before we move on, and that's: Are you happy with your performance at the tournament? Um. And you know, I think this is kind of interesting for only everyone except Reed. Hey man. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. No, dude. I wanted to go completely. I didn't want to get any draws. Only wanted to get wins. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> um, so I think let, let's let's go with uh, worst record to best. So I guess <laughs> okay. Matt, you start. Yeah, let's let's. let's... <laughs> okay, yeah. Uh, so obviously, record-wise, I'm not particularly happy. No surprise. Um, but if like I evaluate my approach, I think I was based on like the resources I had. I felt I feel like I I'm pretty happy with. How I came to my conclusion and uh, being my deck choice and in some sense like how I played um, felt felt uh, pretty good. So in that, in that regard I'm happy. Obviously like if I could have done more actual playtesting and pods then uh, I would probably feel a lot happier um, even if my um, results didn't change. But yeah. Uh, for me, I'm I'm very pleased with my with my performance. Um, I think my record of two three is completely fine. Um, and I think the like you know if I was to run it back and and maybe win more die rolls, uh, that that improves. But you know based off the die rolls I got and some of the kind of you know luck with the gambles that you know you're gonna lose those every now and then. Um, I think I did well and I think the deck performed well. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm quite pleased. Uh, yeah i uh i mean i think in terms of sort of the gameplay uh i'm happy with my performance i think you know i i won the games i could win um i uh i kind of wish i'd had the you know the guts to to take something that wasn't cody and and sort of play my style of game a little bit more but uh I mean, obviously, it's it's very hard to argue with results. And even though I 
finished just out of prizes, like sixth out of 87 is still very good. And knowing how close I was to making the finals, you know, with that like Force of Will Sakashima interaction at the end, um, you know, I think it was the right deck for the tournament, even if I'm not happy about that fact. And Reed, just say your thing, take a bow. <laughs> yeah, dude. Um, he did it. Yep. Finally. Pulls, pulls down the little flaps in his shirt just for. Yep. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I was, I was happy with the results. Um, I honestly, uh, I, I think even with some of the sleep deprivation and such, I was still, um, I, I was still, I, I think I was playing, um, tighter in some ways than I historically have in, uh, tournaments. Um, I like a lot of the time I tend to play by feel, which is a really bad habit, but, um, like, it, like, I, I just, I, I don't know. I, I feel like historically I've relied a lot on just like politicking and trying to like, <laughs> like force my will onto the table um with some decks just to tr just to like get by in early rounds and i feel like i um took a lot more measured approach to the swiss in this tournament and um yeah you know, just like played a like tighter technical i mean i i wouldn't say that i've ever been like a loose technical player but i certainly think that i like planned out my lines better here and like did the math on like a pad of paper next to me to make sure that I'm good to go on all this stuff and like double checking my math and everything like that before going for a line um which is good I still made a couple of mistakes thankfully it wasn't punished super hard for them um I think I still won the game where I made a minor player but yeah I, I think I also accrued like two GRVs over the two days thankfully one per day so no actual downsides but you know <laughs> Could have not had those. <laughs> uh, I will say the the one the one thing that's nice about Reed winning the uh, the tournament is that you know he he was the the one player of the of, of our podcast who definitely needed the duels the most. So now <laughs> yes. now he's part yes. of the, the the cool duel oh club. Oh my god! Yeah. I, so one, I, of the, one of the one of the secret narratives leading into the event was Reed's yeah. reserveless collection, yep. which were comprised entirely of an academy director and a gilded drake coming into this. And so, I think I think this win actually something like doubled, like at at least a hundred percent, like plus a hundred percent of the value of my collection. <laughs> Maybe like plus a hundred and fifty percent. Dude, this is now nah, this this is just the start, right? You gotta get the rest <laughs> oh, God, of the duels dude. to match. I mean, I, dude, I started started <laughs> with the most expensive two of them, so it's only better to work I mean, on. Yeah, from you there, have right? to get them in top loaders with tier one. Oh uh, yeah, I get next it. Yeah. Time, yeah. When you yeah. when you win the next tier one, you have you are obligated to select the non value duels <laughs> to, to, yeah. to round it out. Cool. Um, so that wraps it up for the main topic of the show, uh, and we have one topic left which is everyone's favorite <laughs> gut check gut check gut check say it morgan gut check say it say it yeah your part <laughs> say it <laughs> um okay so this gut check kind of relates to the main topic of the show uh and i want to know what everyone's what everyone thought the second best or second most interesting deck or maybe i guess maybe most interesting considering i don't think any of us find cody to be particularly interesting um deck of the tournament was so cody can't be your answer that's why i'm saying like second best or whatever but 
So Wait, second best or best more or or second best either or you can pick yeah why, why don't we start why don't we it's walk a in. Yeah, okay. um so it's definitely Winota um I retweeted yep. that's yeah. mine as well <laughs> it is, yeah like yeah. so uh and multiple axis like pleasantly surprised with the result right like there were like three Winota decks one of them. Or two of them made top sixteen, something like that. One made top sixteen, impressive... and then one of them had a two-three record. I think I yeah. don't know what the other. Which is like almost good had. enough of breakers. Which is really good. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is yeah. So they were very close. Um, uh, uh, also, like that kind of deck play style is definitely something I um enjoy. So it was cool to see that work um in in the setting. Um, so definitely interesting. Like I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to say that Winota is the second best deck besides Cody because I don't think it is. But definitely, um, if you if you wanted to grind tournaments and also play a deck that is enjoyable, I feel like that's just like huge uh, intersection there. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, my my answer is also Winota. Uh, just super super cool <laughs> i don't know I, I played it against a lot of i didn't play against winota in the main event but i played against uh winota quite a bit um in like you know the post tournament games and winota <laughs> winota clowns on all of my all of my other decks so it was uh it was super uh fun to play those and just get absolutely dunked on uh Morgan, Reed. yeah, honestly, <laughs> Winota's probably my pick for most interesting. Wow, um, okay, <laughs> I, I was like, I was like, Reed's gonna say a Sarah, Reed's gonna say a Sarah. <laughs> yeah, no, I can't believe you did it. No, okay, no, we were talking about at the tournament. Yes, a Sarah is by far the best deck I've ever played. That's Someone not an played argument. Someone played a Sarah at the tournament. They did. They, um, I'm not gonna comment <laughs> on the build of said a Sarah deck. Uh, I don't think it was necessarily. I, I don't think it was necessarily <laughs> the best build, um, but you know they they did them. They entered it. They get to call the shots. I didn't enter a Sarah, so I don't get to comment on their build that much. Um, but yeah, it's only because it's the second best. Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, dude, Winota. I don't know. Winota is just super interesting. Um, I like to me. It feels like it's like one of the best decks at taking advantage of having uh like a bridge in the pod. Like, I sort of think about it in terms of, like, if Winota has, like, the bridge in the pod for turn two, because you're sort of your weak turn is, like, obviously turn one, but everybody's weak turn is turn one. But you're sort of, like, your weak turn in Winota is turn two. And then if you've, like, if you survive turn two in a strong position, then you're super likely to just, like, take over the game. Like, again, barring, like, a toxic deluge at some point, you're just, like, great. Like, stick Winota, immediately get, like, four creatures into play, and then it snowballs every turn after that. that. Yeah. I mean, that it's funny that you mentioned that, because it is kind of simultaneously also the reason why it's not the second best deck. (laughs) Yeah, just because... There just aren't enough bridges in this metagame. Um, There certainly is... There certainly are metagames where that's, like, consistent and... Like the QMTG meta, <laughs> dude, uh, Matt, I'm I'm so looking forward to you bringing Winota into that meta because it's so fucking inbred, and I I like I've been telling them for like months that there's other ways to attack this more than just like dropping even more interaction, just playing like fucking bribery and wandering agent and water archaic. More than going into mid rangey or yeah. two the mid rangey. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> when <laughs> when I, I, the I, fast I think... deck. Honestly, I think my the like the issue I have with Winota is not like so. I think the turn two is weak, 
And then I think whether or not the turn three is weak is like a total coin toss. Mm. And that makes me really uncomfortable. Mm. Like I've seen a yeah. lot of Winota hands where it's like, you know, turn one, you play like, you know, uh, an attacker. Turn two, you play like some mana, maybe another attacker or like some light stacks. Turn three, you play Winota, you attack with like, you get like two triggers and you like one of them whiffs and one of them hits like a recruiter that doesn't do anything that turn. Mm. And like, yeah, some sometimes you flip into like yeah. Sanctum Prelate and Ranger Captain, and you're like just laughing all the way to the bank. And then sometimes you flip into like nothing or as good as nothing. Um, and like that inconsistency on turn three, like like inconsistency on turn two is one thing, but inconsistency on turn three definitely makes me a little more nervous. I just think you don't have to play Winota on turn three necessarily. Like I think in your turn two, so I you're think gonna... you're just developing stacks pieces. Um, and then, and, and attackers, it's just reasonable than playing Winota a turn later and getting, uh, once you've kind of locked the board up, makes, you know, is, is a reasonable line as well. Yeah, I guess, like, my experiences playing Kenrith was that, like, and obviously Kenrith is a lot slower to come online than, than Winota, so it's not necessarily directly applicable, it's just that, like, the later you start playing your incredible value engine, the dicier it gets you know, against, like, a Thrasios Timna deck. Like, it's possible that they've already drawn three or four extra cards they're setting up, and if you don't have, like, the right the right ways of stopping them, um, like, multiple overlapping pieces, uh, you can get into trouble. But this isn't yeah. an episode about Winota. That was just... No. Yeah. I think... Uh, Winota special episode win. I, so, my... Yes. Yeah, the, the deck that I found the most interesting... Um, I think it, uh, well, it's it's kind of a tie for me. First was the, uh, the like, Staxi five-color Sissé list. Uh, Mons from CDHTV brought it, and I guess I'll also take this uh, time to say he interviewed us for a video he did about the event, um, and so we'll, we'll link that in the description. Uh, it was a good video just going over the whole event and, you know, shouting out all the people who, who pulled it off. Um, and someone else brought, like, a very similar list to his, and I definitely liked the... It, it kind of did a very similar thing to what my Kenrith brew was trying to do, which is, like, you just get to play a whole bunch of stacks and then still try and find a consistent path to win through your commander. Um, uh, it does it, obviously, a little bit differently, and, like, I, I think I'd want to play... A, a bunch of games on the deck to figure out like okay how hard is making wooberg to activate like what concessions do you have to make to make that consistent does it mean it's hard to play cards like a null rod um but it definitely like it did it seemed to do exactly what like the kenrith deck i tested hoping to bring it to that tournament wanted to do uh, and the the other deck uh, was uh, Adam from playing with powers Lord Windgrace deck. Um, so he w he that was the other a player. Very cool deck. Yeah, he was the other player with the bounty sleeves, and I just think it's awesome that he, you know, like took uh, a pet deck that's like certainly not meta. You know, despite knowing the fact that like he was going to be very visible as a player and people were going to be gunning for him, just having the confidence to like, you know, play what he wanted to play and do something that no one else was doing is pretty cool. Yeah, also, certainly. I played a couple games against it outside the tournament, and uh, man, did it did it do some stuff. There was a <laughs> there was a decree of annihilation at one point. <laughs> yikes. Oh, yeah. it, was, it was a bit of a yikes, but 
but that's uh you know that's just how it do sometimes yeah i i almost thought about what well, i said I was thinking of taking a thrash bruce brew and then when that wasn't working out i did actually look at sisse um because it does it does do a lot of the things that i was trying to do in that thrash bruce list um very similar to the kenrith uh list you're talking about it's definitely interesting so maybe maybe it's worth uh taking a look at again but yeah, yeah. um that wraps it up for this episode. If you guys would like to reach out to us with any questions, comments, or concerns, you can contact us on Twitter at Into the North Pod, via our email, into the North Podcast at gmail.com, or on our Discord server, the invite link for which can be found in the description for this episode. An extra special thanks to all of our patrons who helped cover the expenses for our show and allow us to work towards improving the quality of the podcast. If you too would like to become a patron, we are at patreon.com slash into the North Podcast. Another way you can support us is via our TCG Player affiliate link. So anytime you want to purchase something from TCG Player, if you use our affiliate link, which is in the podcast slash YouTube description, a portion of your purchase goes towards supporting the podcast. Thank you as always to the band Vox Cadre for our lovely podcast music, to Nate Slover for our equally lovely podcast logo, and to our video editor, Manta Ray Hat. Next episode will be out in two weeks. Until then, see ya. Bye. Bye.